Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Hello, you lovely lot. I am so thrilled to introduce Mary Broddle to you today. Um, Let me just introduce um, Mary to you. She is a disabled mum of two boys aged 11 and 8. And from having to ask her midwife for an OT referral to isolating through the pandemic, her health has affected how she parents in a very big way. We all feel that we should be providing our children with opportunities and experiences But what if you can't? Mary says, cut yourself some slack. Being loved is the main thing that our children need. And as she has become increasingly disabled, Mary has realized more and more the importance of the example she is setting her sons. Mary has a successful 20, had a successful 20-year career in rail engineering, but her worsening health meant that she reached a point where she had to accept that she couldn't keep going as she was, and she left her job. Whilst being housebound, embroidery has helped her cope with chronic illness and increasing disability, and addressing the challenges, which meant many of which were out of her control. And so using her, this passion of hers, Mary has set up her own embroidery business, which is, let's face it, a far cry from the rail industry. And she now shares her skills to help others find the enjoyment and mental health benefits that it has afforded her. Mary, my love, hello and welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's it's so wonderful to, to have you here. Um, Mary, I've sort of done a, a sort of pocket view of, of you and your sort of your your life, but to open open up a sort of window and tell us, if you may, um, a little bit more about what's what's has gone on for you and what is going on for you. Let's hear a bit of your story. Okay, um, I just to set it, I'll explain about my illness and disability because then that puts it into some context. Oh, I yes. have a connective tissue disorder called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Uh, So my collagen's too elastic, my joints move too far, and I injure very easily. And because you injure doing everyday things, you never quite recover. And over my life, it sort of just got gradually worse. And having kids sort of step changed into worse and worse. I had difficult pregnancies, a lot of trouble with looking after them as babies. But so I basically, you know, standard Gen X, high achiever, got the two degrees at the same time, studied abroad, accepted, did engineering, fell into all of that, was international travel, managing multi-million pound contracts. But I was finding walking harder and harder, even sitting at a desk became agony a long time because I was living from my mid-20s with chronic pain and chronic fatigue. And then throw two kids in the mix in my 30s and it just got to the point where it became impossible. When I stopped being able to drive, I couldn't hold down a job and I had to reassess 
not just the way I was living, but the way my whole family operated. Mm -hmm. So my kids would be in a brilliant nursery, which they loved, and they could do things I couldn't do with them, like painting and stuff like that. Um, and But I would be home after a 10-hour day and I wouldn't be able to move. And I didn't have the capacity to really spend time with them other because I was just struggling to keep going physically to keep my job down. And it just became totally impossible. I was reimagining what I was going to do in the pandemic hit. And actually, it's been a blessing that I haven't been trying to hold down a job during the pandemic because it's been able to support the kids more mm -hmm. as they've been off. So I had to take stock of what I could do, what I could work as flexibly and my passion hobby of embroidery and the transferable skills I have for my corporate career. I thought I'm going to set up an embroidery business and I'm so passionate about the well-being and mental health benefits and relaxation yeah. and how portable and easy it is to do. I'm just trying to get my message out there whilst trying to keep my health on an even keel and be there to support my boys who like everyone else the last couple of years has been really tough for them yeah it has let's just backtrack a bit because clearly you are as in your words a high achiever so how did that you know sort of I'm, I'm not sort of saying grinding to a halt because it, it it will have sort of been a lot more gradual than that but how did um these challenges when you found that they were, you know, you were sort of less able to sort of deal with them. How did that affect you personally? I mean, how did that affect your mental health? Because for someone that flips like two degrees in one go is, is a, a, a sort of an achievement in itself. But how did you sort of learn to adjust to all this? I, I had a few months where I had to sort of get past it, but I, because I've spent so many years with the physical limitations, meaning I've had to learn I can't do what I want when I want necessarily. You might have plans and you wake up that day and you can barely stand and you have to cancel it. You know, I guess I maybe was more prepared for circumstances out of my control because day-to-day -day living, I've been doing that for years. Yeah, okay. I had no social life. I just managed to get to work. But that just became, yeah, it, it just became physically too hard. And I knew I was heading towards a stroke or a heart attack before 50 and it had to change. So I was perhaps better equipped at dealing with things out of my control because I've been living with that on a smaller level. It was hard though. All I'd ever wanted to be was an engineer from five. Yeah. But then I sort of rethought how I was looking at it. And I thought, actually, instead of saying I can't do this anymore, I said, no, tick that box, done that. What can I do now? And actually having the few months of not, of just physical day-to-day -day life being easier, yeah. I realised I couldn't go back to it. So I thought, what can I do? And I'm a big believer in not dwelling on what you can't do, but look at what you can do. Okay. Yeah, if you see what I mean. Because if you always think about what you can't do and what you used to be able to do and you can't do now, that's just a sort of downward spiral. What a, what a great role model for your kids, because, I mean, children in their very nature are learning at life in the formative years, aren't they? And so to, for them to be able to mirror and observe 
your approach to life of the, well, let's, you know, can't do that yet, or, um, you know, sort of let's just readdress and look at things in a different way. It must give them, does it? Tell me, you know, maybe I'm making assumptions. Much more of a can-do attitude. Would that be fair to say? I hope so. It's a bit tricky at the moment with, you know, the whole going to secondary school and I don't like this subject and it's like, well, actually you can do it, just need to work there. But I do think it's important to set this example as they get older. The thing I haven't done is to sit on the sofa and say it hurts and yeah. that's it because that's not good for any of us, let alone me. And I am a, well, what can I do? And I've spent years sitting sewing on the sofa with my feet up when I couldn't move and that's helped me. That's helped my mental health. So it's trying to set that example to the children of what can you do. And my kids effectively are young carers. They have to do a lot that their contemporaries don't. And it's not ridiculous what they have to do, like putting your wash, helping with the washing, putting your clean socks away, cooking the odd meal. But compared to a lot of their friends, we live in a very affluent middle class suburb, you know. They, yeah. Picking up your own dirty pants off the floor is seen as well. Everyone else's mum does that for them. Yeah, I. Uh, but it's you're teaching them great life lessons. They're going to be. They're going. I'm teaching them independence, really. Yeah. Um, and I think the fact that by ten they can cook fish fingers and chips for themselves. It's they're going to be very independent, capable kids. And as someone said, they're going to make great husbands. But um, right, right. So, but again, it, it disrupts that role model thing that my husband has to do a lot around the house and I it's not all down to the mum in the house to do everything if you see what I mean so they have a different role model that maybe that still perpetuates even now about men's work and women's work and and you know historically that sort of would have been you know might have raised some eyebrows but I mean surely in in this day and age that the, we, we should be, disabilities or not, we should be sort of blurring those lines anyway, shouldn't we? Exactly. But I think uh, from my circle of friends, I think actually my kids, there is that is a fairer share of the housework at home and the mental load and everything. Well, to be fair, the mental load's all mine, but the physical load's my husband's, um, is unusual. Yeah. Uh, in, and I do think a lot of mums especially take on all of that on top of the jobs they hold down. Yeah. On top of ferrying everyone to brownies or cubs and swimming lessons, etc. And it's impossible to keep it all going. Yeah. Because um, I, I think you, you you sort of mentioned that um, you know, or or I mentioned in your in your introduction is that the, your view is is we actually need to cut each or cut ourselves some slack here. Um, tell me more about what you mean sort of by that. What you know sort of how how do we in this high achieving world how do we just sort of loosen the reins and let go of it? Well, I read an article or a comment on Instagram or something the other day about winning at weekends, you know, have you taken them out for the day? Have you gone and done something to make memories, which just makes me cringe? Or have you taken them to three different sports things and a party and extra? Actually, some weekends we just watch the telly and kick about at home and it's not a problem, you know. 
it's it's not the end of the world. My kids, we they've done swimming lessons. That was at weekends, and we never did anything after school because I was working. I couldn't then juggle to pick them up from the nursery and then take them to cubs or anything like that. And to be fair, they never asked to do any of that, so it wasn't like I said no. But I never said that thing that I had to run myself ragged in every moment that I wasn't at work providing enrichment activities for them because we could do that at home in different ways give me um, some examples because I think the thing is is that we put uh, parents put themselves under so much pressure don't they really exactly and I see that so much you know even when they were babies I couldn't play on the floor with them and because I physically it could really hurt me and then I wouldn't necessarily be able to feed them later yeah so I had to, I had to prioritize getting us through the day rather than you know building blocks games all the times etc there were other ways we could do that by just going out for a walk in the buggy I could walk then the buggy was my walking aid and we'd sit watching the world go by in coffee shops and stuff so it wasn't that I had to yeah or I just put a lot of telly on see babies if you pick the right screen time it's not actually a problem you know and I'm a big believer a great health visitor said to me if you're worried about screen time you don't have a problem with it (laughs) how wonderful yeah she once came to see me and I left my youngest on an iPad with Peppa Pig so she could do the stress work with me it was a particularly difficult time in my life and you're there thinking oh my god I've just put my child on Peppa Pig in front of the health visitor it's like don't worry about it what's an hour of Peppa Pig it's not going to kill it Mm. and and I think that's it and I I was grateful just have CBeebies on and I slept in the same room and I'd doze and I'd have a nap to get through the rest of the day and they were learning stuff off Octonauts you know the blue planet taught us nothing we hadn't learned from Captain Barnacles and Octonauts some of the stuff is really good and there is some rubbish on YouTube but there's also some good stuff so as long as you know what they're watching and you get them and find things you can watch together. I love a saga cartoon. So the kids and I sit and watch that, and that's our time. And we spend time together. And so they know that they can talk to me, and they can talk about what, what's going on in their lives. And after school, they tell me about what they've been doing that day if they want to. Because we just have that quiet time together. And a big thing, me and my kids, especially when they were little, was reading books together, because that was our time. I could sit at bedtime and we'd read books or watch telly in the afternoon yeah. instead of ferrying them out x y and z and getting them out to the park etc because the last lockdown I couldn't go out the house because it was so muddy my mobility scooter would have got stuck in the mud my husband was working really long hours and we had three months where he barely left the house and it was tough for all of us but I couldn't push myself to the point of breaking myself just to keep their stuff going, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Look at that bigger picture. How do you keep you well enough to be the parent they need in the long term rather than giving them lots of days out and three million um, sporting activities every week? 
So how how do you give way to that pressure, or or does is it is it something that now no longer affects you? Because you know, sort of hearing and seeing these wonder weekends on sort of Instagram. Because I've I've in fairness, I mean, I've had sort of mums who sort of say to me, "I should be doing all that, but I just can't be bothered. Let let alone you know, not able to do it." So how do we get past that guilt, that mum guilt? I, the, the things that made me, the mum guilt really got me once when my youngest was about 18 months and he wanted to play at the playground and I had to say no because I knew I couldn't lift him in and out the swing and chase him around. And I'm like, we just can't do that. You're staying in the buggy. We're walking past it and we're going home. And that was some of the hardest times or I could never go to soft play unless a capable adult was with me who could go in and chase them when they got stuck. Yeah. And I suppose because I've never, I have the physical limitations that I just have to say, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't have the same pressure. I have to live life differently. Yeah. But I do still feel guilty that we aren't having family days out. We haven't been on holiday because I've been isolating and you can't go to, you know, beaches when you can't walk and I can't manage beaches and you can't go to deserted places because they aren't accessible. So we've we've not been anywhere for two years and that's been hard and they see all their friends doing things. But it's also teaching them that you don't have to keep up with the Joneses as such. Mm -hmm. Not everyone has to live the same lifestyle. But I do get comments like, well, why don't you go back to work so we can have a holiday in Greece too? (sighs) And that's just that age they get where they start seeing what everyone else is doing but I just have to explain we can't do things like that we have to have a different approach but I take them out individually for coffee and stuff that's a big thing going for coffee you know I grew up doing it and I can go to local coffee shops on my mobility scooter with them and we have that bit of time together then rather than um, long journeys and hiking because I struggle to sit in the car for any length of time so it's hard to go anywhere um, so it, it's just about saying you can still have that quality time it just doesn't necessarily have to be exotic yeah exactly and I think it, it's it's sort of um, it's working out what works for the family and because as you were sort of saying you know you're you are sort of um shouldering the majority of the mental load <clears throat> excuse me whereas your husband is um sort of you know shouldering the majority of the physical load but i i, I think you know yes we have sort of you know, I was saying that we needed to blur the lines, but as long as we can dovetail as a partnership or dovetail as a family, then um, we are there to sort of support one another in what we can and can't do. Yes. And I think one thing I will say as well is don't worry if your house looks a tip. You know, I've had to accept that if I pick everything off the floor, I'm going to be in agony and unable to move for two days. So I'll just leave it on the floor. I've, I've just made a decision not to let it bother me, you know. And my mum had, had this wonderful sign when I was growing up that said, an immaculate house is the sign of a wasted life. <laughs> and I've remembered that. That's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you have a choice, I, and I, I know sort of a number of mums who, who sort of, you know, spend a lot of time, and I think it's probably therapeutic for them to sort of clean the house and make yeah, sure. Some it's people because, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah it is relaxing for them but some people it's more like it needs to be tidy so I can relax 
It is, and and, and it's that pressure for everything to the outside world appears pulled together if you've got a spick and span house and then you know so when the lego box is upended again they go absolutely ballistic well for me my, my my view is is it's the kids really want your time they want your attention they don't want to know that they can sort of you know safely eat pizza off the floor without sort of you know picking up a bug that's that you know that they just need sort of parents mum's time dad's time whoever don't they really Yes, and I think that's it, as I said, and that doesn't have that time, can just be sitting watching telly together, find, find a programme you'll watch, give them that time just to open up to you and tell them about what's going on with the day rather than, right, now we're doing this, now we're doing that, I've got to do this. And I did have that to a certain extent when I was doing long days and I was traveling and then I was just like I've just got to like go to bed now because I can't move and I'm exhausted and the pain's too much yeah and that was no parenting that was me doing the I've got to keep this job down because I've got to bring the money in etc and I've had to turn all of that on my head and though we're a lot poorer we're a lot happier and probably healthier now so it is just that yes you can try and have it all but something goes and maybe it's just don't bother tidying your house to the same extent. Yeah, Maybe it's one day a weekend we just don't go to swimming lessons or something. We all just have a cosy day. Everything's maybe- just more relaxed. And- yeah. yeah. Um, Mary, your kids, um, correct me if I'm wrong, your kids have the same um, sort of syndrome as you, is that correct? Yeah, they do. I wasn't diagnosed till my 20s. It's quite a rare um, illness. People weren't really aware the awareness of it's changed so much in the last 10 years and I was diagnosed nearly 25 years ago now so it wasn't picked up on though I had problems so with my kids because it's genetic it's 50 50 I was aware of what to look for and I pushed for early diagnosis so for example my one of my sons has worn orthotics since he was three yeah and he had to go in and say he needs a referral to here and the doctor's like how do I do that but it's yeah. just they're mild, but I can protect them from ending up like me because I can make sure they're not playing football, they're not playing rugby, they're doing swimming lessons instead, low-impact mm. sport, and help with their handwriting and things like that. But again, I had to teach a three-year-old that being angry at pain was futile because yeah. yeah. his feet would hurt. And you... Again, I've got to set that example that there's you've got to find a way to live with this without being angry at the world, make the best of it. And, and this is the thing is, you know, we, our, our kids model our own behaviour. So whilst you are navigating this as a parent and you're navigating it, you know, sort of for the, you know, to, to, to try and sort of raise your family in the best way you can, you're also, I guess, mindful that you're teaching them how to sort of approach life with, you know, sort of with with the cards that they've been dealt. And I think very much that, that look at what, it's back to look at what you can do. But I also feel that they are arguably a bit more compassionate. I'm sure so. Because that you never know what someone's dealing with. Once I started using mobility aids, the way I was treated in public was so different. Yeah. you know because it becomes visible 
and actually positively or negatively positively brilliant that has its age but people you you don't get a funny look because you have to sit down or you're in pain people help yeah it's just oh what's this and I'm always really open with young children who stare at me on my mobility scooter and explain what's going on but like my buggy's better than yours moves on its own but it is hard being the one who does that and I can't go to the park because I can't get off the tarmac and it's muddy where they want to go and I can't take them and that is very hard because my my youngest isn't old enough to go out with his mates yet and he gets really bored and fed up and he wants to see people and I can't do it and I can't necessarily cope with having people around for play dates because it puts too much physical pressure on me right and and they get frustrated at that but I just try and arrange things as as I can so at half term we'll do it but I won't do it after school or I get him into the after school club he used to go to which is effectively a play date once a week with his mates when they were little I never did painting at home because it would take so much energy to set it up and then put it away and it made only do it for 15 minutes and I'm like you do that at nursery you still get to do it I just don't have to exhaust myself to do it with you yeah and it's, it is, it's adjusting, it's it's adjusting your expectations, I guess. Yes, I think it's that feeling that they can still, you don't have to be the one doing everything with them. If you're, if you're lucky enough to have friends or family who will help, they yeah. could do that with them. You know, before the pandemic, they would go and spend time with my parents who live abroad. And they'd spend a couple of weeks basically in forest school with my dad. but um they saw a different life but it wasn't me who had to set this example and take them out doing it other people can show them different ways to live and different things to do yeah or they could go along with one of their friends to give them a lift to that uh you know football class or something but my kids do that it doesn't always have to be you doing it all that's it and it's 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 um Allowing them still to experience all the sort of minutiae of of sort of childhood, but I guess spreading the net and 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 as you sort of say, not not being at the centre of it all the whole time. Yes, and I guess that comes to that control thing, that high achievement. It is totally, and you have to just actually, I can't do that, and that is hard. But I sort of came to terms with it a long time ago. Mm-hmm. because I started having physical problems before I had them right got you but it was uh, it was a bit like well I can't I couldn't get the buggy in and out of the car very easily so I'd always try and get the bus somewhere but it meant I couldn't go to other places with them because I couldn't lift a car seat and things like that you just had to find ways around it yeah a lot of problem solving or just say we don't do that we do this instead mm-hmm. and actually many many families live like that because they can't afford to do all the activities they can't do all the days out etc you just get lost in this world of insta perfection even if it's not an instagram and it's your neighbors and the contemporaries at school and i am watching people my age in the mid 40s early 50s absolutely exhausted because they've set these examples that that that's not examples but that's how they've done parenting they're like 
nine o'clock, I'm just asleep on the sofa. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what's going to give? And that expectation that they have to spend the whole evening cooking a meal from scratch and taking them to Cubs after they've worked a full day, et cetera. It is. It's managing expectations. And I sort of think, you know, you were sort of saying that, um, you know, you you sort of you, you witness other people sort of going through it. And there are some that are probably in the same situation as yourselves, be it through income, be it through um, disability, be it through single parents, I guess, as well. Yeah. Just I think the thing is, is that we set ourselves so high that for, with expectations that the only the only way is down. And I think in order for all of us, not just our kids, but for all of us to benefit, we need to be able to take the foot off the pedal a bit, don't we? Yes, and the kids aren't going to suffer. Yeah. You know, is it better to set the example of saying you don't have to do it all and achieve all of this and keep all of these plates spinning? Actually, as you said, they model your behaviour so we can teach them almost a better balance for when they're adults. And I think that's important as well to say, actually, a quiet day occasionally is great. It's yeah. not the end of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Mary, what got you into embroidery? Because it doesn't, it doesn't marry up with the rail industry, does it? So how, engineering, how, <laughs> how, how did you sort of sideline into that? Um, I did a bit as a girl. My mum taught me some basic stitches. But uh, back in 2004, I gave up smoking. And I literally, I'm so middle class, I had an epiphany in John Lewis haberdashery (laughs) because I am that middle class. And I'm like, I picked up a kit and that was it. I went with it and I've not looked back and I've done all sorts of courses and residentials and I love it. And actually, it's not as far away from engineering as you think. All the counted work where you're counting threads and everything. Dr. Water following a graph on those. Some no, you're quite right, because I had I had something, actually mine was a tapestry of a blimmin' Highland cow. And I tell you what, to try and work out you, the, 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 the the graph and the map that they had, I mean, it's it's it, it gets the old cognitive juices flowing, doesn't it? <laughs> and I basically did that as a relaxation thing. Even when they were little, I just had a simple thing I put aside for a week and pick up occasionally. Yeah. And for me, it kept my hands busy in the evening. That's partly where I picked up. I was giving up smoking. I didn't want to eat and eat and eat because I was always struggled to keep my weight under control anyway. So I started keeping busy with that. And as my hands got harder, etc., I've just got all the ergonomic gizmos I can. And I've kept going. And I find it has helped me cope with the frustrations of not being able to do what I want. So when I have had to spend days with my feet up to rest. Yeah. And you're looking at everything that's all over the floor and you're yeah. thinking that the washing needs doing and you get angry and you get frustrated. But there's part of you going, if I did that, I'm going to be even more injured and struggle yes. even more. You keep yourself busy and it's meditative with the sewing. And my um, studies have shown that what it does is it actually has been proven to reduce the cortisol level in your blood. So, okay. So it helps you relax because it engages our heart, the reward center of the brain, which then calms the um, I can never say it properly, amygdala, the bit oh, where yes, the, yes. the yes. anxiety, the fight or flight comes from. Yeah. And you're speaking to someone who's spent entire days running on adrenaline to cope with pain. Yeah. And then yeah. you calm down, and that calms the, the adrenaline down, so it reduces the stress hormones 
it engages the brain, it gives you just enough focus to calm that overwhelm your busy mind. Right. And you can do it in front of the telly with yeah. your family, with your partner. It's better for you than wine and it gives the same relaxation effect. So my big thing is just pick up something simple. My mindful stitching is there's no design, there's no graph to follow. You just doodle and thread. Here's a kit. It's all in a bag that can live by the sofa. All you need is good light and, the, and a comfy chair and just do it to help the physical. It physically helps your physical well-being, your mental health and your emotional well-being because yeah. by just getting into that creativity slightly can help just calm calm the sort of um the the hormones in your blood and and it also just gives you enough of a pulling the thread through it's proven just be mindful enough to just calm you down and get rid of that ah everything's a tip I should be doing all of this I should be doing that I should be doing this I shouldn't be sitting down and you've got enough of a focus to just sit down and give yourself some time, even if it's just 10 minutes, half an hour whilst watching the extenders, yeah. you still get that benefit from it. So you've started a business doing what exactly with embroidery? Are you teaching people where to start and what to do? Yes, I've tried various bits and bobs, but I am pushing what I call my mindful stitching my mindful stitching concepts, what I just described of needle and thread material, and you just doodle with thread. So I've set up all these videos that you get as part of the kit to teach you the basics and you just do what you feel like. You don't think about where a design, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to look like this because it takes years of practice to improve. Yeah. Yeah. You just pull the needle and needle and thread through the material and just take that time for your mental well-being the way people do with physical. Right, I'm going for a run. Yes, exactly. Like, you could just make that time for your mental well-being as well. But it doesn't have to be sitting in silence doing a body scan mindfulness technique. It's still, <laughs> the not, everyone's, great. <laughs> not everyone's suitable to that. And this is something you can do if you're finding the telly they're watching is doing your head in, but you can still be in the room with them. Yeah. And and doing something for your own stress and relaxation. I'm assuming this you you know this isn't just for adults; it's for for all age groups, correct? Yeah, I've been I've been teaching kids over Zoom as well, and I love the way they don't get worried that it isn't right. I was going They're to used say. to learning new things, so I I managed to teach a load of cubs how to stitch over Zoom. So I think if I've done that, I can teach anyone. Oh, bravo. Because I'm um, thinking of your mindfulness stitching and I'm just sort of, uh, even the, the control freak in me is going, well, I bet I do that wrong, you know, and it is, it's, it's, it's learning to let go and be kind to yourself, isn't it? Yeah. And that's why it's like, there's no, you don't have to have the design because people doodle whilst they sit at, um, sit at the tape, you know, in meetings, etc. It's just like that whilst watching the telly or listening to an audio book or something or music. Yeah, and the kids are great because they persevere. It, they don't expect it to be perfect because they've not tried it before. They just want to learn how to do it. Yeah, and then they keep going with it. And yeah. actually, we could all learn a lot from that rather than saying, "Well, I can't draw, so I'm not doing that." I can't draw. I use clip art. I, I and I saw on your website that actually you trace things by putting it, holding it up against the window. Yeah, that's a good way. If you don't have a light box and stuff, a bit of masking yeah. tape at the window and you just use the daylight coming in. Yeah. yeah. So 
you don't need a lot of material you don't need a lot of equipment to do embroidery and people often think it's quite a lot of money but actually it's cheaper than a meal out it's cheaper than a ticket to the theater cheaper than a football match and you get tens of hours out of that kit it's actually quite a cheap hobby you just buy stuff up front with it so I've come up with a kit that is everything you need in a bag links to videos so you don't even have to sort of try and decipher diagrams especially if you're not sort of technically minded as you said just go with it and then I I offer courses as well so I offer you know bespoke courses for team building wellness that sort of thing how did you find it going? I mean, because it, it, you, you, the, the rail in the engineering industry is hugely male dominated. Um, and, and, you know, sort of uh, as a sort of woman in there, I, I would say you needed to hold your own. But not only from that, because you, you're going from, uh, I would say, a big team of people to being at home doing using softer skills, but also not being with a team of people so you've had big big adjustments to make haven't you it, it has been big um I I the male dominated thing I was the only girl in the room from picking my GCSEs when I wanted to do design I, yeah I, I've always stood out always been different but I've always known what I wanted to do so I went with it yeah and actually by the time I got to university I found a group of people I fitted in with even if I wasn't you know a yeah. man whatever they were sort of my tribe as such and yes yeah. it has been hugely male dominated and that really started to become an issue with me once I had kids and I wanted flexible work I can imagine. and that's where it's flexible working to a point it was even all the networking even some of the women's networking with drinks after work it's like I gotta go and get the kids yeah. can't we do can't you do the odd lunchtime thing yes. and it yes. and it and it is to a point you know actually by the time you're a mother and you've got disability the flexibility and I'm not saying it's entirely wrong because of the way things are done and some of the stuff that needs doing but it is harder so flexible working in the rail industry you're doing well if you've got four days a week and you can work from home one of those as flexible as it gets and I couldn't manage that any longer it has been a huge change but I really enjoy learning yeah yeah. And I realised what I missed about work was the people side and new people and new sets of contracts and working out how it worked and where it needed tweaking and fixing to work better. Because I did a lot around improving uh, rail maintenance depots and stuff. Okay. So I really male, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, you know, tote, steel toe caps under trains and stuff like that I did back in the day. Well, yeah. So I loved the, um, the learning and that's what I'm getting through reaching the business and building an entirely new network that's the hard bit I'm building a new network from scratch a lot of people who go self-employed do something in the same same industry so they've got those contacts but I'm meeting all sorts of people from all over even sort of internationally or from my spare room over zoom and this is the wonderful thing about uh, about technology. As much as we diss it, it it you know because we've all been stuck in our sort of spare rooms or wherever over lockdown. And I think it it you know technology opens up so many more opportunities, doesn't it? And I think you know as you sort of said, um, and I think when we were, you and I were speaking um, in our sort of pre call, we we put so much sort of. Um, 
I, I think, well, kudos on the fact that we're sort of skipping through bluebells and not using sort of, sort of technology. And actually, technology can indeed be our friend. As For is. me, it is. It, I would be completely isolated without it, yeah. really. Um, it's given me a business model, everyone using Zoom. I can, yeah. you know, I can teach over Zoom because I have the communication skills to do it. And I have those communication skills from 20 years working in yeah. the corporate world. Um, but the technology thing, it's not all bad. I, I often see, especially with social media, my friends who are really active on Facebook, etc. they're the stay-at-home mums. They're the people who feel, cut, don't get that interaction yeah. with people. So it's, it's getting the balance and technology isn't bad. You know, computer games, my uncle's a maths professor of 60-odd years, and he's said he's seen the improvement in people's understanding of risk and wow. assessing situations through the generations of computer games. I thought, no, it's not all bad. Think what the, Not only is it proving their arithmetic, they're, they're assessing a whole situation, they're working out how to play it, they're going ahead. There's a lot to it. And over lockdown, that was their playground. That's how it they... Wasn't it just... And my, my older boy had to use pen grips for his ha- hands. He struggled with his writing. And the first lockdown, playing far too much Xbox or far too much, strengthened his hands to the point he didn't need pen grips anymore. Yeah. And you wouldn't, he wouldn't have got that out and about doing stuff. Yeah. Actually, that was just intense Xbox time, was yeah. exercise and physio in some respects. Yeah. But that's how they played with their friends. That was their playground. That's how they learned to communicate. There's difference between active and passive screen time, I think. Yeah. So how do you teach your son? Because especially now he's he's sort of going into secondary school. How do you teach him the the pitfalls, but all the ben- also also the benefits of social media and you know all these sort of different um, it's, technologies? It's quite a concern actually. I'm all over his phone. I'm tracking him. That boy. I've got the GPS apps on his phone, so I know where he is. Yeah, um, because he's not as mature as he thinks he is. Put it that way. Many of them are. No, he thinks he can manage a lot more than he can, um, and he keeps falling out of trees, so he has to be collected. Uh, I I keep an eye on the WhatsApp messages, and I'm like, we've well, got some new Year Seven group WhatsApp where you're getting 700 notifications today. Get rid of that one. Keep your class one. It's right. that sort of benefit because he is a boy who has serious FOMO fear of missing out yeah. and sometimes it's like no you have to stay in now because you're exhausted yes. you can cope with not going out for an hour with x and y yeah and it's hard it's just have to be really strict and it's getting back to that point that I'm not his friend I'm his mother and if yeah. he if he hates me for a, a term whilst I set the ground rules on how it works with secondary school I just have to deal with that and because I've changed this balance in my life I've got the emotional capacity to deal with that. Oh, fair shout, yes. Which I wouldn't have if I was still trying to hold down an job. Yeah. My love. I can actually actually parent a bit better. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Managing expectations by setting the boundaries, which I think... It's a hard one for for all parents, isn't it? And it's it's just re- remembering that it's your number one job to keep them sort of happy, healthy, and safe. And you're not always going to be their best buddy. Exactly. 
And um, I'm not always going to be the one picking up the pants for them. They have to do that themselves. Ah. And if there aren't any clean ones in his in in the washing, well, it's his fault. <laughs> Mary, we could talk all day, but thank you so much indeed. Thank you for um, just shedding a light and also keeping it real for people because, um, yeah, it, it's 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 important to just realize that we're all dealt a different set of cards aren't we but um it's it's how we uh, address it and how we cope with it sort of emotionally really um affects ourselves and our family yeah and it, it really is back to that awful phrase if we don't have to do it all because the kids will be fine and the yes. kids are fine with Fortnite. you know yeah. it's some stuff just make sure you know who they're playing with yeah, yeah. absolutely wise words mary thank you so much indeed thank you and I shall speak to you soon. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you find this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child and we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. <laughs> because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love. Much love.